Hey, good morning, Vima, and good morning, Wichita, and welcome to Church at Home. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether you're watching at home or listening in your car or maybe at work. Man, I just want to say thank you. My name is John. I'm the pastor of Vima Church, and we're so glad to have you with us today. And, and church, man, you guys have been fantastic over the last couple weeks. We faced some adversity and been doing things a little bit different since uh, this new uh, season has been upon us, but you guys have engaged so well. You guys have leaned in and worshiped with us. You guys have engaged into the word. You guys have been generous in your giving, and I just want to say thank you, church. Thank you for partnering with us. We're a new church, and you guys have just stayed with us through this season, and I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Stay, stay with us in community. As you're watching this, if you're watching on Facebook Live, type in the comments. Give us a wave. Let us know you're there. Uh, we want to continue to engage with you wherever you are with us. And so today we're in a series that we've been going through called Real Jesus, where we've been looking at real experiences that real people had with the real Jesus when he was really on this earth. And so we've been looking at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and different stories and interactions that Jesus had with people. And today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, kind of as our primary text of an experience with Jesus. But before we do that, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. I want to go all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis 1. And so today's topic, today's uh, conversation, we're calling this, We Need Each Other. And so if you're watching this online or watching this on Facebook right now, look around at the people in your room and in your house next to you. And I want you to say this out loud with me together. Everyone say, we need each other. We really do. And, and I, you may think, well, yeah, duh, that's obvious, John. Well, I want to paint a picture for you because this is not just something I think. It's not just something that I kind of believe. This is something that I believe has been in, the, in our DNA since the beginning of mankind. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this, So God created man in his own image. So God created us in his own image. Male, female, the way we look, the way we think, the way we talk, like all our entire being, we're created after the image of God. Our, our, our flesh, our mind, our soul, all of that. So we believe that, and we, we know that because it says it right here, that God made us after his own image. So let's go to Genesis chapter 2, kind of painting a little bit of a picture here for you this morning. Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said to Adam, so God had just created Adam, and he said this, it is not good that man should be alone. So God tells Adam right out of the gates, you're here, you're in creation, you're in the Garden of Eden, but it's not good for you to be alone. So we've been created after the image of God, and then God says, it's not good for you to be alone. So what does that tell us? This is what it tells us right out of the, right out of the gates here. We are created in the image of God. And I think we believe that because it shows us that in Genesis 1. And God is relational. So if God tells us that's not good for us to be alone, and we're made after his image, what should that tell us about God? Is that he's a relational. Well, don't just attach these things together. I want to show you through God's word that we see that God is a relational God. We know this because God is a triune figure, the Trinity. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as we look through the Bible, you'll see multiple times where they interact and talk with each other through a relationship, through the context of community. So in, in Genesis, um, right, at the, right, right at the beginning, God even says, dang it, can I just cut it right there? I think I can. God is three in one. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You said I can only do what the Father says. Okay, I think I can do it. 
In John 1, it says this, that in the beginning was the Word, God's Word, meaning God spoke and things happened. Things became into existence. That creation happened. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. So in the beginning was God's Word. A couple verses later, it says the Word became flesh. So we get this idea that God was there from the very beginning, God the Father, but then God now has sent His Son, Jesus, to this earth. So two people there. Then it goes on in John chapter 14. It says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to you. So Jesus says, I'm gonna, before He leaves the earth, He says, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God. I'm going to talk to Him. I've got a relationship with Him. I'm going to ask God the Father that He would send an advocate to you as I leave this earth. Who does He send? He sends the Holy Spirit. And then one of the last things Jesus tells the disciples, he says in Matthew at the very end, he says the Great Commission, he says, go and baptize, go make disciples and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we get this picture that God is a triune God. God is a God of relationship. God is a God of community. And not only God it was God that way and is God that way, we see that Jesus was a part of a community also. In fact, Jesus, if we read the Gospels, you see that many times he'd go places and thousands of people would show up to hear him preach and to experience his presence and to be healed by him. And then when he would travel from city to city and town to town, that there was a group of 120 or so that would follow him many times from place to place to place. But then there was a group of 12 guys that actually Jesus went, it says he went to a mountain and he prayed, he asked God's help. He talked to God because he's in relationship with God because Jesus and God are relational people or made after his image. So he goes and he prays. He says, God, help me pick out these 12 guys. He picks out 12 guys, and he spends almost every day of three years with them. These guys are called the disciples or apostles. And then it gets a little bit tighter. There's an inner circle. There's three guys, Peter, James, and John, three of the 12. And they did some things with Jesus that no one else got to be a part of. They went in when Jesus raised a little girl to, from the dead. He raised her from the dead and they invited just those three disciples to be a part of that. Jesus goes to a mountain, the mountain where we know that he, the moment of transfiguration where Jesus reveals himself as the Son of God. We see the holy presence of God on him. Who was there with Jesus in that moment? Peter, James, and John. And then Jesus, as he's going to the garden to pray, that last prayer before he takes the cross for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus goes, he brings his disciples, and then he takes Peter, James, and John a little further in, says that they're just a stone throw away from him as Jesus prays and talks to his father. So we get this picture right out of the gate that Jesus was also part of a community. So if God is designed and his very nature is communal and, and relational with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus came to the earth, earth and he was a part of community what does it tell us this is what it tells us is that we are created for community here's a statement again say it with me we need each other we really do and, and i think some of you are thinking well that's obvious john that's duh we talk to people every day all day you know in an individual in, a, in today's society uh, many of us are individualistic or narcissistic not you and not me we're talking about other people but a lot of people are that way where they are constantly thinking about themselves and what's, how it's going to affect me. And if I do this or I say this or I go there, how do I feel about that? And that's very much today's society. I think social media has a lot to do with that. And in fact, I think it has a lot to do with that because on social media, we can be talking. We can even be reading and listening. But do we really know anyone? 
See, it's a place where I get to say what I want or, or say my opinion or, or share that link that, that backs up what I believe because there's always a link that backs up what you believe. And we get to do these things and we're talking and listening and talking and reading and our thumbs are doing this, you know, just inputting all this information. We're connected. Maybe you've got a thousand friends or 2,000 friends on Facebook or 150 or 500 followers on Instagram or whatever it is. We feel like we're so connected, yet we're probably not part of a community. And how do I know that? I know that because community, being part of a community and being part of the community I'm talking about, the community and the family of God, is not just about talking and listening. It's about belonging to a group of people that share a common core of beliefs. So let's look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 says this. This is a story that we're, that's kind of our main scripture here. Luke chapter 5 says, And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, so you got a group of guys, a group of friends that grab a guy that they know is paralyzed, a, f- a friend of theirs, someone they know. It says they pick him up and they're carrying him. And it says that they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So Jesus is in town and he's preaching and there's a packed room. And it says, but finding these men, they couldn't find a way to bring him in because of the crowd. So all these people were pressed up against Jesus, wanting to hear his preaching and his teaching and maybe be healed by him. And these guys, they had their friend and they brought him to him. And they couldn't find a way in. It says that they went up to the roof and they, they tore a hole in the roof and they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. So these four guys, man, they were, uh, they were like this. They must have been great friends because you don't just go ripping a roof off of the house of someone if you don't really care for this person. So these four guys, they really cared for this guy. They really wanted to see him experience freedom and experience healing. And so they ripped the roof off and they experienced Jesus. And it, this is what it says. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, not the man on the mat, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Because this lame man had a community, because he had a group of people who cared enough about him to sacrifice that loved him deeply, that shared a common core belief that if we can get to Jesus, we believe that Jesus can do anything. Because of their faith, this man received his healing. This is the type of community I'm talking about. The type of community you need, not just people who talk and listen, but people who are willing to carry you to Jesus. People, you need this. We need each other. What, what type of community does this? The type of community I believe that does this is a church. I believe that you need to be part of a church, not just because I want you there, although I do. I would love to meet you and get to hang out with you and, and, and can't wait to get back to that, but because you need it, because God created us to need in each other. And so you need to be part of a community of believers that will help you see your potential, step into your full potential. But James chapter 5 says this, uh, James 5.16 says this, it says that when we confess our sins to each other, There's that each other word again. James 5, 16 says, when we confess our sins to each other, then we are healed. So what this tells us is that that I'm not just talking about friends on Facebook. You're not going to confess your sins. I don't know many of you that just go to Facebook and say, hey, here's how I screwed up today. Many of you would never do that. In fact, it'd be completely embarrassing. So what is this scripture telling us? When we confess our sins to each other, what it tells us is that there's a group of people who you can be so real with, so authentic with, that when you can share the deepest and darkest parts of your life, that they're going to help you find your healing. They're going to help you find your freedom. 
And in fact, I love to say it this way, that when people see the worst and still believe the best, you know you're in good company. When people see your worst and they still believe in your best, they know, you know that you're in good company. That's the type of community that you need. That's the type of community that I need. And in fact, I've heard people say this before. I don't need church. And this is just a crazy thought to me. I don't need church. I've got a relationship with God. And my relationship with God is strong. Or maybe I watch church online and you're watching church online today. So that's obviously not a bad thing. But they're just what they're saying is that I don't have to be in a community. I don't have to be around other people. And I think a lot of times the reason that people say things like that is because they've been hurt. Because maybe someone like me or someone like you has said something or done something that's hurt them. And so their response to that is, I just need Jesus because people hurt me and people do. And that happens. But what, the, what happens when we do that, what happens when we separate from the group, from the, God, the, the body of believers, is we're actually stepping out of line with God. God actually designed us to need each other, to be in community with each other. In fact, I believe that, that God's plan for your life, for you to see the fullness of your potential, is directly related to how invested and how connected you are in the community and the family of God. Paul David Tripp says this, he's a great Christian author. He says, we weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We weren't created that way. We were made to live a humble, worshipful, and lovingly dependence upon God and in loving and humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects, yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves. Proverbs 18 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So we get a picture right here that we need each other. I got a little illustration here today. I think it'll help us understand it. Got an old tire from a bicycle we had in our garage. But I think if we look at this, I think we'll get a better picture of how Jesus wired us, how God wired us to need each other. So at the center of a will is the, the hub. And this is God. This is everything that we do, everything that we say, our calling, our being. We're created to interact and to engage with God. And I think most people would agree with that. If the spokes, these represent us. These represent as, as believers. These represent us as Christians, us going from the spoke and going out into the world. So you've got the world, you've got the believers, the followers of Jesus, and you've got God. So what happens when we look at this, if we recognize that God is the center and that we, that we rely on God for our healing, for our inspiration, for our calling, for guidance, for all those things, I think most of us will agree there. But then when you look at a will, you recognize that the strength of a will comes from the proximity of its spokes. So if you think that you can do life alone, that it's just you and God, and you recognize that here's the world, here's all the things that we're supposed to be doing, here's the things that we go out and do, our jobs, our careers, our schools, the things that we pursue, the things that we do that aren't necessarily church, that aren't necessarily godly, but the things that we do that we engage in, go into a store, all the things that we do. So if the world is out here, and you're right here, the problem with those single-spoked will is it's gonna be a little bit funky. I don't know about you, but if you start removing these spokes, what happens is the will doesn't turn as smooth. So here's how God's designed us. God has designed us to need Him. We need a hub. We need a central focus point. We need a point of connectivity and redemption and grace and love, and we find that when we find God. But then the closer we are together, the closer we are to the hub, 
then Jesus starts to do something unique in us as a community. And then when we step out and go into the world, when we step out into our own calling, we step out into our own life, what we find is we have the strength that we need to step into our fullest potential. So we're called out here to do the things we're called to do, whether it's a banker or whether you're a real estate agent, whether you're a teacher, whatever it may be, a parent, you need the strength not just from God, but the strength from each other to be able to step out and to do all that God's God's called you to do. In Ecclesiastes, it says this, Ecclesiastes 2. Just got a little bit, another scripture for you, community. Well, oh, that was an illustration. You can cut that. In Ecclesiastes 2, it says this. Uh, Sorry, let me go back up. In Ecclesiastes 5, it says this, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. So say it with me again. Say, we need each other. So two people are better than one because they can help each other succeed. Verse 12, jump ahead just a little bit here. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Two can stand back to back and conquer. Here's where I think a lot of us are in the world today. I think a lot of us have a lot of relationships and connections. We may have a lot of friends on social media, but the reality is we're standing face to face with most of those people. We're talking, we're listening, they're talking, they're listening, but do they really have our back? You think about this, back to back, when when two stand back to back, they can conquer. If you've ever heard the military term, I got your six, what that means is that someone's watching the side of you that you can't see. When you live in community with other believers, when you're involved and engaged in your church, when you participate in relationship, what happens is now someone has your back. Now someone is helping you step into your potential. Now someone can see the things in your life that maybe you can't see in yourself. During times of adversity, during times of adversity, we need God and we need each other. So this story, Luke chapter 5, just as I'm wrapping up here today, this story, Luke chapter 5, it says, if you remember, it was their faith. It was their faith. Sometimes our own efforts don't cut it. Sometimes my own efforts don't cut it. Sometimes we might find ourselves paralyzed in pain like this man. Or maybe we're paralyzed in fear or anxiety. Maybe we're paralyzed with tension or stress or frustration. And we find these things kind of pressing in around us. And what we need in those moments is we need a relationship with God and we need a relationship with each other. This is what churches do. They care for each other. They pray for each other. They encourage each other. They carry each other to Jesus. So my question for you today is, are you in a faith community? Do you have a group of people, a community, a group of believers that are like-minded, that got your six, they've got your back, and that they're there to maybe help you, even if they need to, carry you to Jesus so that you can find your healing and step into your fullest potential? You think it's a, it's a very important for us to be in community with each other, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in, today, in today's uh, service, in today's... Back that up since we can cut things. We can cut back and forth between cameras. It's really important for you to be in community with others, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do that today. But it's even more important for you to be in community with God, to have a relationship with God first. Do you know God? Do you, do you know that He knows you because He wants to be in a relationship with you? He's a personal God, and if you don't know Him, you can today. In fact, Romans 10 tells us this. It says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved. 
So today you say, John, I need a relationship with others, but I honestly, I need a relationship with God too. This is all you have to do. Just repeat this prayer after me. And it's not so much the prayer, the words that you say, it's this idea that you believe in your heart and then you're confessing with your mouth. So I'm going to help you confess with your mouth. You have to do the believe in your heart part. But if you repeat this prayer after with me, I believe that you will be saved today. So everyone, no matter where you're at, no matter if you prayed this prayer a thousand times or not, I would love for everyone, wherever you're watching this, to say this with me. Say, Dear God, thank you for your grace. I believe that you sent Jesus to this earth to go to the cross, to die, and to rise again so that you could have relationship with me. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for praying that prayer today.